You're listening to the Frame 100 Podcast, a show by Brick Filmers for Brick Filmers. And welcome to the Frame 100 Podcast, your exclusive place for ideal to die for updates. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 10 of the show. I'm Chris, Noel's Goldbrick Productions, here with Sam, aka Locker74 Productions. The mustache is back, baby. Woo! You're <laughs> under arrest. And yeah. Marcus, aka Brick Hat Studios. FBI, open up! Oh, we're off to a great start. I just spit my Dr. Pepper out. So it's always a riot with you gentlemen here. <laughs> Oof. Yes, this is probably the most glorious return since uh, Dylan Woodley's Bimpson, which isn't technically a brick film, so I don't know what in the world is going on with that sort of comeback. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just got done with a walk with my pup, so had a good break. Missed you guys. Ned! Yeah, she's sleeping on the floor right oh, now. It's good to have you back. That's good. Yeah, listen to the podcast. I got Ned, some words to say about you. y'all dissing Leica like that, but I'll, we'll get to that here in a few minutes. <laughs> that and we will, because we we goofed. We made a couple of mistakes. We, we also made some comments on. people thought were mistakes, but at the same time, they're not. So first off, I want to thank our listeners for helping us get Leica and uh, Ardman unconfused. First, I want to uh, highlight Nick Douglas' Nick Douglas's comment here on YouTube. He says, Leica's filmography is Coraline, 2009. 2012, Paranorman. A little comment says, sorry, Trevor. 2014, The Box Trolls. 2016, Kubo and the Two Strings. And 2019, Missing Link. We also found out on Wikipedia that Leica also helped with Corpse Bride, but they were it was a contract work with Tim Burton. And on top of that, I have a string of comments here from Sebastian, who is a listener of the podcast. Thanks for helping clear this up, Sebastian. Uh, he he did diss us for uh, preferring box trolls over Coraline, but I think that's just an opinion thing, if we're uh, being fully honest there. But uh, he also mentioned that uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas was made by Burton's production company. And afterwards, he sold that to Henry Selick. And Selick would go on to make James and the Giant Peach, but unfortunately, the film flopped and the company ended. And he also highlighted that Corpse Bride was produced by Leica, but not made by them. Okay. So uh, thank you for clearing it up, Sebastian. Really appreciate that. I, I think for a, uh, a podcast that talks about animation, we should probably get animation stuff right. Yeah. Sorry about that. I wasn't even here for that, so I don't know why I'm, up, I'm apologizing. Yeah. Chris, Marcus, get it together. Yeah. I, I, I think if you were here, Sam, we, we would have been good from the get-go. Yeah, maybe not. Sam would have been know. on our butts. Yep. Bam. Or what I'm guessing is that Ned is the real stop motion nerd, and you're you're just a cover for. Her. I mean, she eats bricks, then she makes art out of it. So yeah, dude, she's, ten she's, out of ten. That has to be a skit. Next fact: Ned makes a brick film. Brick, the Lego bricks with like editing right there. Just cut that up. Next fact: We'll do a Doctor <laughs> Scar where uh, Ned eats Doctor Scar, and then. He comes back. All right, that was pretty, that was <laughs> that was pretty gross. All right, so I oh have some comments to make on the comments you guys made the last episode about uh, Leica. First off, how dare you dislike a like that, guys? Hey, hey, I it, I clearly admitted that my 
perception of Laika was based off of one bad childhood experience. Don't you give me that look that the I audience can't. can't see because this is audio. It's a very creepy... St- this mustache isn't helping us stare. Um, so... It really isn't. <laughs> first off, I th- like Laika's films better than Ardman. Is that what it's called? Ardman? Yeah. Um, oh, snap. I... I, I like Chicken Run. Don't get me wrong. It's it was my first introduction into and into like stop motion stuff. But that film alone for me is not enough to uh, say it's better than Leica. Leica's at least Leica's films for me. Some yeah, I agree with Jared. Some of the stories are hit or miss, but the animation's always really good for me. Um, I I mean Box Trolls. It's probably one of my favorites of Leica besides Kubo. Kubo is probably my favorite, as it is for everybody's. But Box Trolls, good story, good animation. Um, yeah, and fun fact, back when I was in college, I actually uh, applied to be a animation intern for him for a summer. How'd that work I out? Got, I got rejected almost immediately, but I oh. tried. See, this is why I'm Team Ardman. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> my animation was not good in college. Are you kidding me? But hey, that that's at least you put in the effort to apply. Got to got to do that. Got to start somewhere. I, I made an animation. That is true. I made my animation reel. I did a uh, resume, and yeah, but yeah, didn't get it. But still, and I don't know. I just feel like Leica as a company for me, anyway. It feels like a a a, a well-rounded company because they've they I mean they've got their own visual effects people. They've got their own puppetry people, and I'm sure Ardman does too. But see, I don't know much about Ardman. Like, I know about, like, uh, Wallace and Gromit. Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, I know about them, but not a whole lot. But Leica, for me, is more of a childhood thing, because it, it kind of made me want to get into animation more than I do. So, those are my comments. The other comment was, for those of you who are dissing Carol- or Coraline, how dare you? How I- don't dare. think I've mentioned Again, anything about Coraline because I've never seen it. Experience. So I don't know if I did it. If I did, I apologize. It is creepy, but it is a good introduction, scary movie for uh, children. For like teenage, maybe eh, elementary kids, maybe early middle school. It's a good introduction to uh, scary movies. Not horror, because horror's got a negative connotation to it. Are you Big winning, words. Dad? Yeah, it's true. See, when I think of horror, I think of deadlines that are never reached. When I think of I'm just horror, going to simmer I hope, for a little bit. I hope I think of Trev's A Deal to Die For film. That's two jokes we've made already. He's not here to defend himself. And that's, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> that's true. Hear that, Trev? I'm sure you're going to listen to this. Speaking of which... There we go. Let's... Yeah, Jared and Trev are on vacation right now. Yeah, let's... uh. Well, Trev started school this week, so he's a little bit busy with that, which is fair. I mean, I was busy in college, too, so we're not mad at, at, at Trevor. He's got adult things he's doing. Jared has no excuse. He's just not here. <laughs> I hope He's probably arguing with somebody on Twitter about Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. That's he's, that he's, been, true. he's been very, uh, very active on Twitter lately, and it's making my whole week. So, since Trevor's not here, I have an idea, a little game for everybody to play. I love games. <laughs> so Trevor will not tell us what a deal to die for is about. So we are going to make up our own guesses on what we think it's about from all from everything we've seen, which is keep in mind, barely anything. 
Like three frames. Like three frames, and I did two lines of voice of uh, voice acting in it. So we're going to play a game, and we're going to each take turns and figure out what it's about. Now, we've, had, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to keep mine PG, because mine answer would not be PG. So, Chris, <laughs> guess away. All right. Well, I mean, I, I know how the sequel goes. There's two sandwiches, and she eats the... I'm kidding. No. <laughs> what I'm guessing, because we know it revolves around a family. We know there's a kid involved who seems to be the highlight. We've seen him running through the house, and we've seen Trevor's pretty intricate layout of the house. What I'm guessing is that this family has somehow made some sort of deal to be where they are to improve their life somehow. But they've made a deal with the absolute wrong person... It gets twisted around. Now they're on the run. Thing is, though, okay. So, actually, no, I probably shouldn't ask you what two lines you voice nah, because I'd probably it. That, that's just giving it away at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that point he'll, he'll come back. He'll murder us, and then we'll, we'll be the die for in this deal. But honestly, that's my best guess. You've all, you all have already seen my uh, my parody guess. I have. <laughs> So, um, yeah, there, there we go. I'm pretty sure that's what the central theme is going to be around. Who the deal is with, I don't know. What kind of deal it was, I don't know. But I'm guessing it's something revolving around this family, and it directly affects the kid. Maybe maybe the, the parents, like, they get in on the wrong end. They're already toast. And now we're following this kid as, like, the house becomes basically a living death trap or something. I don't know for sure. That's a good guess. Marcus, what do you think? I wish I'd paid more attention to his set design back at Brick Fair last year, but based off what what uh off of um Chris's speculation, the more I think about it, it could be like a horror film of like that classic where like the family moves into a house because they got a good deal out of it, but then the mm-hmm. house is haunted or something. Because three six hours ago on Trev's Twitter page, he posted an image of a bat, and I jokingly said ten out of ten. Trev called Corona. He caught it. <laughs> he just never told anyone about it for the past like two years. I mean, oh my gosh! Thanks, good. Trev. That was the deal, and we're all to Three die four. for. Yep. yep. There you go. Was it the bat? Was bat superly oh, worth it? Crap. Oh my god! I'm gonna have to cut that out. I mean, okay, I don't I'm, know. I'm gonna. We, we I'm got. Gonna... We got. Oh my gosh! We got. We got a bat. And we got a mummy in the back, along with. Oh, I didn't notice a that bottle mm-hmm. and a bow, two bones, and it. Oh, oh, there's a do not open. I think I see a, I see the letters E N, and I think it's do not open. He takes well, out the bat. Hmm. We're gonna have to go. Hmm. We're gonna have to go look at that frame one more time. Um. Yeah. So look, Trev, this is what you've done to us. This is what you've done to the whole brick film community. I especially love, I've got to pull up Trev's tweet here, is that uh, our man, Nick Douglas, a.k.a. God's Gift to Earth, he commented on Trev's tweet, and he's all, looks like progress is being made. I love saying Oh, Nick, gift. I'm loving your optimism. I'm loving it. And I responded back with a for now gift from The Dark Knight Rises. So, for now. And then, goodbye. Those I'm, are 80. <laughs> the other so, die for a set. So now it's my turn <laughs> to try and guess. Um... So what I think it is, it's a story of a family that, I mean, I know I have lines from the movie, so I'm going to try and ignore those. Um, 
even that it's not a lot but what i think it is it's a family that like mark like i agree with marcus they moved into a house and one of the family members dies for some reason like don't know why like and all of a sudden satan shows up and is like hey fam when we bring when we bring your so-and-so back to life be like hell yeah let's do it and then it shows up and it's like oh that's a zombie pun intended yeah and the zombie shows up and starts eating people and then they're like oh man we gotta we gotta kill we gotta kill the person how are we gonna do this oh i know here's a bat we'll have the we'll have the bat bite the zombie the zombie be like oh man is this a corona bat be like yeah fam <laughs> and they're like oh well i guess i have to vid- oh, i guess God. i have to put a ventilator on and or uh, you know go into the hospital be like you can't man you're dead be like oh that's right this is Kaboom. horrible. And then this is the, I apologize to everybody right now. The entire family dies because they weren't wearing masks. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, you, okay, what you said reminds me of a story. Have you guys heard about like the monkey's paw or like the legend yeah. about that? Yeah, it's the. Uh, isn't it, it? I haven't. Please is it a movie or is it a story? It's a story. It's it's like a like a fairy tale kind of book. Okay, so it's like it's a monkey's paw and. You take a wish, but whatever happened, isn't it like there's a good, there's a, that's like a two, two-sided coin. One, if you wish for something good, something bad will happen to somebody else. Or it's like you make a something wish. It, like that? So what I remember it being like is, at least what I remember it being like, what I've heard it's like is you have so many wishes. You have Spoilers, like five by wishes. by the way, for this story. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler warning. Um. You have five wishes, and then you wish for something. And if something goes bad because of that wish, do you use your next wish to fix that wish? Or do you use so, that wish to gain something else? No, no. So, if I remember the story correctly, um, this family, the first wish is they wish to have like a lot of wealth, money, right? Yeah. So they got, they got like a big, big check in the mail. Except, the only reason why they got that big check is because their only child died in the factory that he worked in. Oh shit, there's a spider in my room. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's the deal. It's to die for. <laughs> Ned, do your job. And then their second wish was to bring back their son. But they didn't say how. The son literally mm. came back as a zombie. Ah. And the family got uh, scared. Like and then the third wish, what you wish, third wish was to wish it go back away. And all three wishes were used up like that. Well, uh, okay. That's better than my story. So maybe Trev is based. Trev's story is based off that. I'm not too sure, but it's a it's a good story. I love it. See, I'm gonna have to read that. I'm looking at reading. More I think books. that's gonna be one of the themes, though. Um, I think that's gonna be one of the themes, though, in the movie is like just be careful what you wish for, just mm-hmm. generally. Yeah. Yeah. Or decorate for Halloween with this weird font that I can't. I can barely read. Oh yeah, that Trev. JK, love, love you, Trev. Trev, we need to talk about that font, man, because I'm I'm having a stroke trying to read it. At least it's consistent, though. Like I can tell it's a deal to die for post because it's barely legible. It's also got hashtag. <laughs> it's also got it's the like hashtag a, a deal to die for. So, don't forget. Okay, that's true. If we're gonna split hairs here, what is it? Don't forget to decorate. Sheesh. Don't forget to decorate. Yep. 
Trev, it's not oh, all I'm for guessing Halloween. It's, <laughs> it's not Halloween. I'm also guessing it, it takes place around Halloween because he's always wanted to do a Halloween release, but he's only got so many Halloweens until the sun burns out, so he hmm. better hurry up. That could be. Trev, oh, is he, he hinting towards when to it's going to get released? Really actually... Is Maybe? he hinting? Is he hinting at when it's going to get released? Find out next time on Dragon Ball oh, he Z. Just a, he just picked a deadline, didn't he? <laughs> Imagine, like in the far future, archaeologists are going through the remains of human civilization, and they find all of Trev's tweets. And it's like, man, where is the deal to die for? <laughs> they spend years trying to find it, the only biggest, to realize that he never finished it. The biggest mystery. In the entire brick film community. No, like in film history. Like we're talking like thousands of years. Nobody's heard of Marvel. Star Wars. What's Star Wars? Nobody cares. Let it go is stuck in nobody's heads. The last remaining remnant of any film from before the year 3000 is a deal to die for. And we cannot find it. Okay. So what I was saying before something went wrong. Um. I think this whole the whole marketing thing uh, with us making jokes and memes about Deal to Die For is really helping Trev kind of get his film out there, and I'm really I'm excited for it to come because I think it's good for him because his channel's been not very active, and I think that's just because he's been in college and hasn't been busy. Um, well, hasn't been busy. Hey, he's been busy with classes, getting stuff done. So I think once his film's done, he can kind of relax. But I am gonna miss the memes. And to be fair, like if we're really being honest with ourselves, Trev's filmography is kind of part of the course for a lot of brick filmers. I think of like a lot of the big names at Bricks in Motion where they're there for Thack, they're there for Brawl, they have one big release throughout the whole year, and for the most part, they're fairly dormant. Like I know, uh, I'm trying to think of names off the top of my head, and I'm sure this is where Sebastian or Pento will comment and be like, yeah. well, here's a list. I really think so I've, we're just, I've... We're awesome I've, archivers that way. I think I fall into that category. I really think I do. Because that I don't, is true. I don't do brawl. I d I've never really had had an interest in brawl, but like I'll do thack. I'll do contests every once in a while. But Ace Brickman's really my big thing, and it takes me five six months to get an episode done of that. And this one's longer because there's more stuff to do in it. But I think yeah, I'd say we give him a, we give him a lot of crap. But I think that's just because we know it's going to be good. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, also, no, if we true. if we didn't give him crap, he wouldn't think he we didn't like him. So there's that. But I'm excited for I'm excited for it to be finished. Um, So, yeah. Plus, I'm thinking of uh, Marcus over here sliding by with a Thack film and uh, word about another film that we haven't seen anything about. Hey, hey, I did. I did post that one frame on Twitter. Oh, one frame on Twitter. That's how it all starts. That's how I mean, it all that's starts. That's how it all starts. <laughs> he is doing better. He is. I actually have like. He is competing with Trev right now for the most Twitter posts about his brick film. So. I have like what 10, 10 shots, maybe yeah. twelve shots. So hopefully I Whoa, can get man. that done soon. Let's slow down oh, on those snap. shots. What's what's? Hang on. What's the working title so I can make the two sandwiches version to make fun of you? Oh, um, I actually don't know yet. Uh, I think. Perfect. I actually don't know yet. Two free sandwiches. Let's go. <laughs> Boom. I think the work, the working title is gonna be like the Big Rona. No. <laughs> what is it like going to 
a restroom in 2020. Oh, that'd be good. Or something <laughs> like that. I like it. It's got that sort of, uh, I guess, mo- mo- modern animator story time sort of vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll, yeah, yeah. That'll attract some attention. Other options include a man has fallen into the big Rona in Lego City. <laughs> no. Ooh. I, don't, I will say this. I feel like I've got immunity from a lot of these. When's this coming out tweets? Because like I, I continually just post crap. So he does. I don't mean, know what cool. to expect. Therefore, you can't I'm gonna ask me to, to expect anything. I'm going to have to add the uh, dragon frame. But Chris is the ultimate <laughs> poster on YouTube in the animation community. Thank you. Thank you. Please, like, no longer at this time. Just, just for everybody to know, in like in our group chat, he's... His like title is literally poster. Yeah, like <laughs> literally, and he just like like I I think I've said this in the past episode, but whenever Chris like mentions an idea about doing something, so I'd be like, oh, I'm thinking about making this brick film, but like you could do it. It's like all right, and then two weeks later, it's done, and it's like oh okay, well, so spe- okay, so since we were talking about animation, I'm gonna segue into this real quick. What is your guys' least favorite part of uh, animation? I mean, we all have our favorites. I mean, mine's animation. I mean, I don't know what everybody else's is, but... Okay, let's start with that. Chris, what's your favorite part of animation? Just one one word. Shoot. No, that's, that's not my word. I mean, writing. It, uh, writing? <laughs> I mean, you could... I mean, shoot could yeah. be shooting the animation. I know that's not what I would imply. Shooting animation is actually my least favorite part, honestly. I know I'm going to get so much flack for that. I'm a brick filmer. It's literally the, you know, the bread and butter of what we do. I enjoy it, but I really like taking, I like story writing first off because I feel like I can do some really fun stuff. And I've always just, I've always been a writer for like the longest time. I got a novel series I've been working on. It's never going to release ever. So that's kind of fun. And then also, like, with editing, I've been really enjoying VFX. I've kind of gotten to the point now where people ask, and instead of saying, oh, I animate, I say, oh, you know, I do effects work, a little bit of CGI here and there. It's technically true. Like, I've quite enjoyed it. But with animation itself, I second-guess a lot of things. I rush things because I just want to get things out there. I think one of the benefits of the way I film is that I can make really chaotic things really quickly, but I know that I'm not, I I have to develop the mindset to do something very intricate and detailed, like on the level of say Chihuahua or Zach Macias or annoying noises. I can't think like in that regard because I have a hard time. Now this is really hard to, hard to describe. Okay. If I'm shooting at 15 frames per second, I have a really hard time trying to figure out, how many frames correspond should correspond to the actual time it takes to do something. No. Like if it takes yeah. me half a second to make a step, that should be seven frames in my head, but the walk cycle oh. for my minifigure falls around four or five. So you're like trying to calculate, actually calculate it. Exactly. And honestly, I might be overthinking. A lot of people might just be like, dude, you don't need to do that. But like that's kind of how I think. I'm, I'm very uh, numerical in that regard. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes it tricky for me and why I like really like rapid chaotic movements because not only can I make it come off as comedic, but it doesn't require me to plan a whole bunch of really small motions in between. Yeah. So that's my struggle in a nutshell. 
See, I'm the exact opposite. Marcus, what's your favorite? <laughs> favorite? Um, honestly, I I love the entire process. But if I were to pick out the one aspect, I think it's actually shooting. I really, really enjoy like just moving it one by one, and then when it's done, like literally the other day, I shot like 120 frames, and that hey. took like maybe an hour 30 30 minutes to an hour before i had to go to work and i just loved the way it moves along mm. with the like ease in ease out yeah it's great i love it would you say so much like making it or like seeing it after you're done i don't know might seeing be it after you're here. done I, i've always enjoyed that yeah. it's like all the hard work you put in and then it's like oh this looks great i love it but you know what isn't great when the minifigures fall down. Ugh. Yeah, I hate that. I have that. Or, or, or when it's like, I make the sets. Like, I make the sets, right? I'm like, okay, cool. I like the set. And then when I'm starting to animate, I'm like, this is too small for my fingers to put him in. Like, I can't. There's like that. Like, the wall is right here, and then the minifigures right there, but I can't put my hand in between that wall, and I'm just like, ah! Yeah, oh, I'm that way. Yes. You 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 uh, you struggle from the same thing I do, fat fingers. It's okay. Yes, we all do it. I ha had that problem with my brawl entry. It was actually the character you voiced, Sam, the uh, the totally legitimate Ninjago art connoisseur. The best character. <laughs> and I couldn't get animation. my hands. Absolutely, most non-sketchy dude there. <laughs> but um, I couldn't fit my hand in that one stall, and I really wanted that stall because that it comes from the set. And the way I kind of built around it, it felt like one of those vendors in like Lego Universe. So I was yeah. really, I liked the set too much to design it otherwise. And so I ended up doing, I figured this would play into kind of the uh, the sketchiness of his character. I just made him like really stiff and just like rock back and forth and then have him flop over and spin around and like look like he was having you know, some sort of glitched out aneurysm or something. I feel like that was the best way I could have done that. But if it was like, if I wanted to actually legitimately animate him as if he were a real person, I would not have been able to do that in that small space. Yeah, see, yeah, that's the issue I'm having right now with Ace Brickman. Because, uh, I mean, one of the stuff I'm going to have to do here pretty soon is in a tent. And, uh, yes, Ned, a tent. Um, the hardest thing I, like, the way the set is going to be is it's going to be a like a tent, like an army tent, and I have to have that shadow there to give that illusion. And, and that's going to be a fairly uh, difficult scene to animate because it's going to be intense. Oh my god. <laughs> mm, so, anyway. I know it's a struggle too. <laughs> so, I'm trying to... I don't know how to move on from that. That was a bad pun. You can't. Uh, actually, that was, that was pretty clever. Um... But no, it's just, right for me, it's trying to find... Because I, I usually do, like, modular style with I have to have a roof on it. Um, but with this, with it being, like, just uh, the one-by-one -one, uh, tubes, the stud things to hold up the tent, I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out how I'm going to do that without it looking like I'm taking it off and on all the time. And I think that's now, what question. I... Now, uh. question... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just... I'm no, got a little I, detail to ask you about. And I think I think whenever brick films have roofs on it, it's really kind of cool because it kind of gives that feeling of realism. Like I, I did that with my Skyfall recreation that's on my Twitter. I had a roof on it and it works. But you also have to find a way to get around that. 
to get around uh, having to take the roof off and put it back on. And I know when we talked to Gary, what was it, two years ago, a year ago? Um, yeah, about a year ago. He talked about he had a me- he had a mechanism to where he just pulled it out, moved it, and then put it back in. And I think that was probably the coolest thing, but I feel like it's hard for a lot of brick filmers to try and figure that out when they don't have a lot of pieces. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be the hardest thing for me. I kind of want to try that actually. Yeah, I feel like what I could do is I could build I could build a mechanism where it pulls back the roof. I go a step further and hook it up to my Mindstorms NXT, and just because I click a button. Pulls the roof back with those motors. Click the button, pulls the roof back down with the motors. I don't know, it's yeah. off the top of my head. What I was going to ask goes with those tents, are you using brick built tents or are you using like the cloth pieces like in the, uh, the Indiana Jones set or oh, the City Jungle set? Interesting. Sets? Uh, brick built. Okay. That'll be a lot easier because. Yeah. I mean, there's the one, it's the Sword Duel set from the Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull sets. Yeah. But uh, it's like this cloth tent. And what I found with that is as I'm building mocks or whatever, if I bump it, it creates a crease in the fabric that you just can't get back to what it was originally, which is very annoying. So if you guys, if any of you, any of the uh, listeners have watched Band of Brothers, um, I'm kind of taking something from like the market garden scene where they're doing the briefing underneath the tent. Um, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about that. Because, I mean, it's supposed to be like an entire regiment of people. And I think I've got an idea how to do it, but I'm trying to figure out how to get around that, uh, having to put a roof on it and not make it look like I'm moving it every time. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I think that's one of the issues I can see a lot of animators would have when they do uh, brick films is trying to figure out how to get things to move to like access the figures without bumping anything else. And I know I bump stuff all the time. There's more masks in my animation than I can count just because I've had to you know, do that. I've had to go in and get a frame that's clean to overlay it. And I just, I feel like everybody has that issue, whether you're, you know, Zach Macias or you're, I guess, me. We all have that issue. So I just, I I feel like that's one of the hardest things for me when I'm animating is trying to figure out how to not bump things. And I've discovered that using a toothpick helps, but sometimes the tooth Ooh, I didn't think about that sometimes the toothpick can uh be even worse than trying to not bump it because the toothpick can move things you don't mean to uh so I think that's just trying to find the way that works for you that's my I mean that's my only thing I don't like about the animation part now sound design I hate sound design you guys know that but that is true I think the thank you Chris um my sound design sucks. I know. Everybody can say it. No, your sound design's great, but the thing is, I can tell you actively don't enjoy the process. I don't. I never have. And I agree. The only time I ever enjoyed it was, again, my Ninjago Brawl entry, because the goal was to make everything sound 8-bit, so there were no actual sound effects. It was all done with this little program called SFXR, I think that's what it's called. So I would just generate random, like, chiptune little sounds and throw oh, them in. Hmm. And that was fun, because it was very different from what I've done before. Yeah. Okay, actually, I'm going to take that back. That, and then the Half-Life film, because all the sound effects were there for me. Hmm. Instead, it became kind of a puzzle of making it sound almost exactly like the game. Like, one of my favorite parts about that, and stop me if I go down this tangent about Half-Life lore, because it's very dangerous. But uh, in the very beginning, after... 
after Gordon Freeman's walk cycle, he's just standing there. If you listen in the background, you can hear this maniacal laughing. And it's because in the level, at different points, you hear a character named Father Gregory. He's laughing maniacally as he's taking out headcrab zombies. And that was one of my f- favorite little details there was because I didn't want to put Father Gregory into the film and then have to try and incorporate his voice acting because that would have been painful. But I wanted to acknowledge it's still Ravenholm. So I could just throw in that little sound. And if you catch it, you're like, hey, I know what this guy's doing. Just little things like that make me so happy. Yeah, see, I, I'm not into, like, the little mm-hmm. subtle things. Um, and I, I'm trying to get better about that. Like, the mm-hmm. my Fright and Fear uh, entry. I think it's probably the best sound design I've done in a film I'm releasing soon. Um, but mm-hmm. I've got Trev helping me with sound design because he's a nut for sound design. Literally. This is true. Literally, he's a nut for sound design. But... I just, I don't know, there's just something about it that I just don't enjoy, and I don't know if it's because I'm very minimal when it comes to my sound design, and I think for me, it's also trying to find the sounds, because I'm, I can't... That's the kicker for me. I feel like, Marcus, so for your film, you're just coughing into a microphone for most of it. Yeah, that's what I did for the last one, actually. <laughs> this current one that I'm <laughs> doing. <laughs> Look, that's, that's like, perfect right there. Thing is, though, like, uh, um, you don't want to cough too well. Right. You want to be able to go into restaurants. <laughs> mm. About that. <laughs> no. Um, oh, my gosh. The only time I've enjoyed sound design was probably from, like, my Pokemon Go video. But, honestly, I think the one part of sound design that I don't like, and this is just me, but recently I'm starting to dislike footsteps yeah i agree i can feel because, that because like you you don't hear footsteps in real life unless like it's like actually like when you do sound design it's actually like part of the film like diegetics like if it's part of the world or if it's like outside like you know like music and all that like it has to mean something in the film hmm. like why are we hearing it you know yeah see i've that always felt true. that way um i feel like if at least for like Ace Brickman, they're like in a muddy part of World War II. So I feel like having the sound design there is important. But like mm-hmm. some of the other stuff, I, yeah, I agree. Like the, set, the footsteps, I don't get. I understand you want to try and immerse yourself in that world with that footstep, but I, I agree. I agree with that statement. So maybe that's something I need I, to take out is the footsteps. Like the introduction of a character is fine. Like if some somebody's running and he's like out of frame and going into the frame, then yeah, I guess it works. I think again, it, like with my Half Life film, the footsteps from there worked great because they're the files directly from the game. And no matter where you are in the game, well, I guess unless you're swimming, you hear the footsteps. So I feel like that would work. And like when we did our Minecraft films too, I feel like that was a case where we need the footsteps because you're always hearing the footsteps in Minecraft. And they're often a good indicator to the player about what you're stepping on or if you're uh, someone's running or whatnot. Yeah. But I feel like if you're just doing like a general walk cycle to open up your film, it's probably not the end of the world if you don't have footsteps. Yeah, I but I used to I gr- I used to grab like all the Lego Island 2 footstep sounds when I made films because I felt like that was the closest to what a minifigure would actually sound like. And even then they were horrible. I've since uh, abandoned those. <laughs> See, I'm the same way with my with my footsteps. Is they're very clicky, and I feel like if you try to get like actual sound effects, like eight like 
footstep on hardwood floor or a footstep in mud, they're very quick. And it's hard to try and get those to match up with the with the with your walk cycle, at least with my walk cycle. So, yeah, foot animating uh, walk cycles and adding the footsteps in it, it's a no go from me. I'm not a fan of that, but it's crucial for the film, I guess. Maybe. So. Well, depending on the part. Yeah. What could make for a really interesting experiment? I'm kind of tempted to try it because now I know how to use the reference video feature. Actually, you know, I'll quickly do a quick tangent on this because this was brought up. Um, one of our hashtag frame 100 comments was from the four monkeys, specifically Dave. He says, hey, hashtag frame 100. I think I've said this a few times here and there, but I rarely use onion skinning. I loop last frame almost all the time. And to learn how to use the reference video feature, it's super easy to use. Helps to have the same frame rate as the reference video rate. I talked a little bit about the onion skinning. We can revisit this if we like. But that idea of having the same frame rate as a reference video makes me think maybe how I solve my animation problem and how we solve our footstep problem is using reference video in Dragon Frame. So you can match up with actual footsteps that you've recorded and you can get the pacing at the same time. But at the same time, I'm also wondering, is that a lot of overkill for a quick walk cycle? But again, we all know what Austin would say about walk cycles, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it'd be a good experiment. I feel like you could try it, but... Is video mm. reference something in Dragon Frame 4? Yes. Yeah, we, uh, we talked about it pretty extensively on the last podcast. I dropped off the... Well, it's pages 69 and 70 because I've been referencing them repeatedly. Also, funny internet number, haha. But uh, you go in there and you can add in your reference video. Uh, I'm currently working on a Ninjago brick film, which is probably going to make all the Harumi stands mad again. But uh, I've been using my reference video of me talking through it, sort of like in a story time format, to guide the animation process. Because I can't remember exactly what parts I want to be animated and what parts I kind of want them to be just kind of idling as I explain something. So that, that feature has come in very handy. And at the same time, it makes me think... If, I, if we're already syncing with sound in Dragon Frame, it'd also be good to sync with a reference video. So yeah, that's, that, that's, like I said yeah. before, I'd love to do some music videos. And if I ever do a music video for you know a band that I really like, I would love to put in reference footage of that, that band. Because a lot of vocalists, they have very distinct movements when they're singing. Uh, I yeah. know Red, for example, their two guitarists have the signature guitar spin move. I would love to replicate in Lego. For all that, I want reference footage. I'm not doing that without it. Yeah, I use reference video for yeah, my Skyfall recreation, and it helped. I mean, it really helped. Um, and I feel like if you're doing like in a like I just did a stitching effect with uh, episode three, where it's I took two different video, um, and I stitched together an After Effects. So I think the reference video comes in handy when you're doing stuff like that. If you're doing uh, effects heavy stuff where you have to mask stuff out and put it in i think that comes in really handy um and i think uh, there's a lot of community like a, a lot of communities a lot of uh channels that do recreations in lego so i feel like having the reference uh option could help those channels too if they use dragon frame i know i know quite a few people don't but i'm sure any any of your videos any of your frame capture software has a, a video assist with it so Unfortunately, I'm still using Dragon Frame 3 here. 
I haven't mm. upgraded it yet. You I think it's... Upgrade. <laughs> so you, the really one thing should. as well that I found out, if you pull up YouTube and you use the... Uh, see, it's a comma and dot button, which also have the little arrows on them. You can use mm-hmm. it to go frame by frame through a YouTube video, which I find yeah. is very helpful. I found, yep. that, I found so, that out. That's how yeah. I figured out how to do uh, the paper fold stuff. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. by going on to, like, Keshin's videos and doing that. Because dude's, dude's smart when it comes to, like... Legos, like uh, Lego techniques and stuff like that. So that's what I used. Oh yeah. But I, I would YouTube hacks. I would definitely look at uh, upgrading Marcus. It's like what sixty five dollars to upgrade. I think. I think so. Yeah. Maybe hundred at most. I don't know. Has yeah. the price has the price rate or uh, gone up since? Because like I'm thinking about getting a new computer. Oh, so yeah. Well, I'm not sure if that will count. Cause yeah, I mean, I get the license for life, right? Yeah. What you could do is you could take the current hard. If you're worried about locking it to a hard drive, actually, no. What am I saying? No, it's license. Uh, the based. license you can activate and deactivate the license depending on your machine. Yeah. So, so you like, theoretically could put the license on your new machine for Dragon Frame Three and then upgrade to Four. I think. Yeah. I think I'm that should sure. work because, like, it, yeah. you can download the program right on any computer, like on any yeah. operating system, you just, like you, Mac or Windows. Yeah, you but just the license is yeah. You, so you just need the license. Um, so okay, like whenever, good, good, good. Yeah. whenever my la- old laptop took a dump, I was worried about you know not being able to de- back, you know deactivate it to put on my new laptop. But it turns out that um, it's license based, and if you just go onto the on to your account. And just click deactivate all licenses. It'll deactivate all of them. You can sign it up for whatever. So. Yep. Now I've done the same with uh, the Behemoth, my desktop, and I did the same thing with my Surface. So right now I just have a floating license. If I want to put it back on my Surface, I guess I could. But uh, in the meantime, yeah. You know, you got so options. short story: upgrade your Dragon Frame. Please update your Dragon Frame update anything well not anything sometimes updates can be unstable yeah sometimes yeah I cough should... adobe cough yes generally yeah. updates and i learned this from my ios days back when i was a wide-eyed apple fanboy oh gosh those were dark times but um you kind of want to wait a couple days after the update just to make sure people don't go oh it bricked my phone or blah 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 or whatnot. yeah and i think with dragon frame i would look at the comparison of the features between three and four before upgrading. I know like with Adobe, for instance, when they switched to the creative cloud model, a lot of people just, they stuck with, what is it? Six. Adobe six. Thank you. Adobe six. They stuck with Adobe six. and like, this works. It does what I need it to do. I'm not paying a subscription fee. So yeah, it really just depends, but generally, and on top of that, updating software also helps reduce security vulnerabilities. So definitely something to look into. But yeah. All right. Life hacks. So. No, you now, don't want hacks. That's why you upgrade. <laughs> so now it is time we transition again. Flawless transition. Uh, is not Man. a good transition. It was not a, good transition. not a good transition. It is time for our <laughs> thought-provoking question of the week. Yay. Y'all need to. Get more excited. I'm not clapping, Sam. That was a horrible I transition. I don't remember the theme song that that uh that Jared always sings. Yeah, um, we need Jared here yeah. for that. But we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and ask the question, and it is my turn this week. So 
I missed last week's. So if you could take any ability or personality trait or anything like that from your favorite fictional character, who would it be and what trait slash ability? Yeah. Hmm. I would like to go last on this. Oh, I was going to go last. Cop out. <laughs> okay, you want to rock, paper, scissors right now? Uh, uh, you know, I'll just run with it. You cowards. I'm kidding. Um, this probably will come as no surprise who I pick, but why I pick is going to be interesting. And uh, you'll, have to very, you'll have to stop me before I go into the very deep lore of the franchise. Oh, go right ahead, man. Yeah. Okay, perfect. This will buy you guys time to think while I monologue, I guess. Um... I would pick the Doom Slayer from Doomy Doom Eternal, oh and I guess God, the previous Doom games. I know, shocker, blown mind, no one saw it coming, but I would pick his, I guess his endurance, so to say. And again, without going into like all the crazy lore or whatnot, the Doom Slayer, like he was originally sent to Mars in the first place because he uh, refused to follow uh, orders from a superior that would have gotten people killed, and. He ended up getting trapped on Mars, Hell Invasion, blah, 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 whole nine yards. What they don't go into in the early games, what they show you through the different codex entries, is that he ended up fighting through Hell, was taken in by the Sentinels, given incredible power, sent back to Hell. The demons tried everything possible to try and destroy him. They dropped at least three different temples on him to try and stop him. And the best they could do was just lock him in a sarcophagus. Only for that sarcophagus to be unlocked... And he goes out, destroys all of them again, and whole nine yards, and blah, 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 and Doom Eternal, and et cetera, et cetera. But the point being, the entire time, he has everything absolutely thrown against him, and yet he just keeps going. He is virtually unstoppable. And they hint at different aspects to what drives him, in that he's just, he suffered so much pain and affliction that he does not want anybody else to ever have to deal with what he dealt with. And like that's his singular drive to just keep him going in this whole war. Uh, at the risk of spoiling Doom Eternal, but I'll keep it very minor. There's one point where the con maker tells him, if you stop the your crusade against the demons and also the makers at the same time, we'll we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll re- release you from all the pain that you've had, the pain of watching all of his friends and family die, the pain of suffering across Sentinel Prime and Hell. And he goes, no, screw you. I'm going to go kill your last hell priest. So long story short, Sam is back. He ducked out for my monologue there. I did. But I would take the endurance of the Doom Slayer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would I take I the endurance of the Doom Slayer because that guy's gone against literally everything and he still keeps going. I dipped out. Impressive. I dipped out because I haven't seen, I haven't played <laughs> Doom Eternal yet and I didn't want you to ruin it for me. So... I didn't really spoil anything. If you looked at the trailers, you know the con maker isn't very happy with what the Doom Slayer has been doing. True. But yes, definitely play the game again, unless you're like under 18, because it's very, very violent. I mean, yeah. But um, I can go ahead and go next if Marcus wants to go last. That's fine with me. Um, go for it. Okay. So I thought about this uh, all week, and I was originally going to say uh nathan drake's sarcastic uh remarks but as much as i want those i don't know how those would be uh good in a workplace so i gotta go with sean spencer's from psych his uh hyper observedness observedness 
Whatever it's called. Uh, Observ- heightened senses, Observance? I guess. Observant abilities? Yeah. He's able to see things that people can't, like powder on jeans. Like, he's very, he's got a very keen eye. And I feel like that would come in handy with, oh, like, video in general. You could be able to see, like, oh, maybe that's something I need to focus on. Or maybe that person just doesn't want to be filmed. Or it also, I mean... It just is a cool ability because you're able to read people super well and see if that's if they want to talk to you or if yeah reading body language if something's wrong mm-hmm. with them. I think it could come in handy with again trying to solve a crime. Not that I'm a detective or anything, um, but I feel like it'd also be a curse when you're doing animation because you'd see things that would bug you. I mean, small enough things, just. Tiny thing, like you'd see a hair on there and you'd be like, that's going to bug me. That's just going to bug me all night. Uh, so, I don't I don't know. I'd say... That is a cool power. Or a personality trait. I would say that or his able to reference 80s movies all the time. <laughs> or... That is also gu- a pretty good one. Or the, uh, the, the sidekick that I can make stupid names with. I can only pick one. So yeah, I'd go with the hyper-observantness. Hyper observative. Sam, don't be a gooey chocolate chip cookie. Just because you put syrup on something doesn't like make that. pancakes. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, that is a pretty good one. On that That's... note about him being annoyed by small things, like Sean's just, he's so lax and laid back. Yeah. I don't think that would bug him. You might have to quickly grab a little bit of that too while you're at it. Yeah, I gotta get with just the... Just so the power doesn't drive you nuts. Basically, I just need to become Sean Spencer. That's what I need to do. To a certain degree, he's still basically you a believe, child. You are. <laughs> I mean, I like you to think I'm pretty confident, but I don't think I could actively be defiant against any. I don't think I'd be actively defiant against my boss, mainly because I like my job. So I think there's certain abilities for him you'd <laughs> want to take and leave. But yeah, hyper observative, hyper observative. God, I cannot say it. Able to see small things. I would say that would be my that'd be my pick. Uh, Marcus, take us away. So uh, before I say mine, uh, I do want to make a side note. In editing, you got to be really observant and pay attention to those actors' body language. That is true. Just saying. That would come in handy. Hmm. Yes, there it would come in handy a lot. I wish I had that, but I'm not that skilled yet. But anyway, yes. I believe the question was personality trait, correct? Yes. Or ability, I think. Or ability. Um. Okay, so... I was thinking of two, but I think... I'm just going to narrow it down to one. I, bl- I would like to have... The ability of, like... Bloodlust? Or, like... What do you call it? Um. I'm, I'm sorry, what, Marcus? Like a strong presence in the room or something like that? Charisma? Would that be it? I, I'm not sure how to... Can we... we I, hang on. It. I heard bloodlust, and I yes, got super concerned. I was like, oh, like, we found the next Dahmer. So, That's so the cool. reason behind this... The reason behind this is, like... I'm very weak. I feel like people just, like, look down on me. Nah. Uh, so what... So I'm just like... Nah. <laughs> so what character would you take that ability from? So it's like... It, okay, so I'm a weeb. So it's from this one anime called <laughs> called Assassination Classroom, where the main character. Oh, okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the main character is like super tiny, but 
but like he's really good at, at hiding his bloodlust and like threatens people when with his presence. So I guess it's just like a dominating presence, I guess, or something like that. Intim- sure. like an like a intimidating, intimidating. I think you mean intimidating. Yeah, yeah, there like intimidation. I'm not intimidating. No, like whenever I'm angry, nobody's just like he's like, oh, nah. We we just treat it as like a child yeah. play thing or something. But I'm just like, Oof. I will slaughter you or something. Annihilate. I don't know. Not slaughter, annihilate. Yeah, I think bloodlust is not a good trait to have, Marcus. I've seen this movie. It doesn't go well for you. But I think intimidating is a good one. I feel like... someone show I'm thinking of. What? It's the show I'm thinking of where they like they have a similar theme, but it goes in a very poor direction. Wait, it's Arrow. There we go. Every time, <laughs> you, turn around, every time you turn around, somebody's in a Lazarus pit and it doesn't end well. Oh, and eventually no. they just wrote the Lazarus pit out of the show. That was so funny. Arrow got rough, man. What was the second one he mentioned? Arrow got rough real quick, but no, yeah. I I think I think intimidating is a good is a is a good one, uh, Marcus. That's a that's yeah. a good one. I so hyper observative. His was stamp no intimidation. Yeah, intimidation. Which one was intimidation? Yours, hey, Marcus. Marcus, and then Chris's was uh, endurance. Endurance. That's what it was. From yeah. Doom Guy, class, Assassin Classroom, Classroom Assassin, Marcus, Assassination Classroom. I was close. Good, good anime, by the way. Good anime. Uh, Wouldn't see. I'm not an. I don't like anime. You have to try so. it out. It's fine. I, I can't. To do... be fair, we did get you into Avatar: Last Airbender. It's yeah, but is that down. is that technically anime? Oh, we'll we'll save that oh, for the discussion. Yeah, we'll save that I say it's not anime, but I, people could argue that it is. I don't know. Yeah. When the last time we had any controversial anime opinions on this podcast, Josh Nelson's like, I like Sword Art Online, Chris. Fight me. Oh. I gotta... Oh, speaking of which... So I gotta, Josh and I were meeting in the parking lot at 9, so... I got a... <laughs> I got a direct message from uh, Four Monkeys' uh, Dave. He sent me... Well, let me see if I can find it. He sent me a DM and said he really enjoys uh, my, my hot takes on the podcast and he said your stories on the frame 100 podcast are the best fyi if you're not a cop a pedo or tom Selleck, mustaches never work beards and goatees are fine though but the rest are a no-go and then he said i also well, don't like time for you either be a cop or tom Selleck. And I'm, oh dang you're killing me and i'm glad i found somebody that doesn't like ninjago because i feel like that is hard to find I just like oh, the sets. I I only like Ninjago when there were just ninjas. You Not guys have mentioned this at one of the most frustrating times ever. So I'm part of a couple Ninjago servers, and there have been a couple things that have annoyed me. I'd like to just get one out there on the table, if that's all right with you guys. Hey, you yep. Sam, rant Sam, away. Sam's just you know throwing up his arms. Marcus looks like, oh no, here we go. So Rant boom. away. The f- Okay, so the too. Weekend Whip. The fact that there is a new remix, and I use the term new very loosely, the fact that there is a Weekend Whip remix for every season drives me ballistic, and here is why. The Fold is a punk rock band. Back before Ninjago, they had a pretty good setup going where they were signed to Tooth & Nail Records. They had three different albums. 
They're label mates for people like Thousand Foot Crutch, Amor, and Under Oath. Freaking Under Oath! They went. They were on Warped Tour 2010, and they were primed to just like set up a place in the punk rock genre, which would have just been awesome. Now, granted, the week first weekend whip, it's a bop. I feel pretty good for them. You know, they got they got a good song out there, getting some publicity. Really appreciate that. But since then, it's been kind of frustrating for me. Is that they've done nothing but Ninjago-based songs. They did a couple original ones towards the beginning, but now it's all weekend whip remixes. Now, and this is the part where. My Ninjago fans are going to threaten to burn down my apartment. Didn't you do a weekend writ? Or I weekend do not. Writ? Never mind. <laughs> yes, I do. Let it rip! <laughs> I know what you're trying to get at. Yes, I did do a weekend whip music video. But like that almost one was still kind of fun and upbeat. And like the official release that they did definitely feels like a bit of a punk song. Like it's quite enjoyable. But then they did the rebooted remix, they did the Tournament of Elements remix, and I started going, are they going to remix the same song for every season? Lo and behold, we got the Shintaro Dungeon Whip. And all my friends were like, Chris, Chris, this is a melodic metal remix. And I'm like, heck yeah! Only to realize, it's very barely melodic metal, like the more I think about it. Like, we're really stretching here about the many times you could remix the same song. And again... What kills me is that their early discography, when they were signed with Tooth and Nail, was pretty great. Like, they were on samplers alongside TFK and Under Oath. That's pretty big. So, uh, but see, whenever I mention this, they're just like, oh, you know, The Weekend Witch is great. And I'm like, it's a great song, just it's not great when you remixed it 14 different times. That's my, that's my rant. I'm done. Hey, it's a good, it's okay. This is, this is a safe space. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, if it's safe, we're going to say something really controversial. How about an under oath cover of the Weekend Whip? That would slap. That would, like, take it, it would back to like they're only chasing slap. safety under oath and have a Weekend Whip re uh, cover by under oath. That would be great. But, I mean, we're just going to get a thousand remixes. So since we're saying... I guess I should quickly end this with, I don't blame them because they make money off of it. And making money as a band, it's... It's kind of a big deal. It's how you know you. It's how you put food on the table and keep the lights on. It's like yeah, I can respect that. Matters that. in the end. So exactly. while we're uh, while we're saying controversial opinions, I got something I have to get off my chest. Oh no! <laughs> I actually like the Harry Potter sets. Okay. So you picked the episode where Jared's not here to admit that. Yes, I did because Jared okay, hates so this. Do I. I, I, I own the first wave of 2019. It's it 2019 or 2018. And I actually oh, like... Oh, Sam, you can't be here next week. <laughs> I, I chose I chose this podcast because Jared wasn't going to be here. And I don't want to get in a fight with Jared. I'm sorry, Jared. The truth has to come out. I really like the Harry Potter sets. And I want to buy them, but I cannot justify buying them because I don't do Harry Potter animations. I just want, I just, I, I like Harry Potter. I like the movies. The, the books are okay. Never read them. Heard they're fine. Boobies are better. Anyway, I just, I like them. I, I, every time they release a new set, I'm like, I want to buy it, but I, I don't have anywhere to put it. I have a problem, guys. I really like the sets. I really Stop like it. the sets. Get some help. <laughs> I know the whole. You know you can't be here next week. All you have to do when this whole pandemic thing is over is just buy a plane ticket, come over to my place, and we can build all my unbuilt Harry Potter. Oh no, sets. man! 
if I'm going over there, I'm leaving with that Millennium Falcon. Fight me. Marcus, you just Hey, said there's you're the intimidation. <laughs> you're already off to a good start. <laughs> that long or a horrible there. start, one of the two. I've been caught. No, if I come over, we're going to Lego store. I'm buying one myself. But I just, oh, no. I had to get, I've been, every time Jared in the Discord always talks about how much he hates the Harry Potter sets, I'm like, yeah, they're bad. But I'm like, I want them. No. I, really, I like the suitcase, like Newt's suitcase for a fantastic yeah. piece. That was a cool design. I like the hair. Uh, I like the Hogwarts sets. Like they're just cool builds for me. I like them, especially the uh, the micro scale Hogwarts. I want that, but I don't know where to put it or what to do with it. Wait, micro scale Hogwarts? Yeah, it's, the big massive D two C one. Oh yeah, so uh, I was about to say something about that since the microphone is literally up to my face. I have two of those, I think, as well. <laughs> I don't remember. Dollar, dollar bills. Oof. You guys have to negotiate a deal here. Oh, I will Morty. say this, though, as somebody who browses Brickset a lot, the new Harry Potter sets are infinitely better than the old ones. Yes. The old ones oh, have a certain definitely. nostalgia, but wow, they're ugly designs. Especially that leak. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've heard things. <laughs> so what I'm really excited about... One of the cool th things about all the Hogwarts sets is that they all connect together. It's like yeah. the bigger, yeah, like, minifix scale saying. ones. You can build the entire castle. Of course, I'm like, I know nothing about the series, basically, mm -hmm. but... I know... Yeah, um, you can do it if you want. What I'm looking forward to the most about Harry Potter coming up about the sets is the custom minifigures. I think they just announced it, what, yesterday? Two days ago? What? Yeah, the new custom Wait, minifigure custom, sets. Custom minifigures. Have you not? Oh, you mean the collectible minifigures? Collectible. Oh, collectible. What did I say? You custom. said custom. Sorry, I'm, I'm used to buying custom stuff online for Ace Brickman. Sorry about that. The collective. That's the fair. Collective, no, the collector minifigure sets. Like some of the. I also have the first wave of the collectibles for Harry Potter as well. I need to. I, I wanted to get those, but I never was by a Lego store, and they never carried them in the Walmart by me. So I didn't get a chance, but hopefully. I can uh, get because, like I said, the the, the mi medium sized walkable legs that were really nice. I only have one of those, mm. and I got it from the Disney ones from the Chipmunk. I want them in different colors, but I have like mm. six of them. Yeah, I got one pair in black, and then another yes. pair that's printed with Hogwarts attire, which is fine. I mean, you know, I'd rather have no short legs, but man, I'm really tempted to get some nail polish and wipe off that print. You mean the nail probably not a good there, there idea. Ones in black. Yeah, yeah, but like I, I only have two, two of them, and the one of them has the print on it. I could probably just buy more, like honestly. Like, yeah. and I, like this Ninjago film I'm working on, to accent the point of the fan fiction I wrote for this video, I know it. We're already going downhill from here. Fan fiction was when I was a kid. Yeah, that's what my film is based around. I read like an, a fan fiction I made as a kid of Ninjago. It's horrible. Like, I felt... You can watch my soul just die across this brick film. But to highlight that it was a younger version of me who did it, I took my sig fig, I gave him those medium legs. Thing uh, is, though, I got a point where Lloyd throws a temper tantrum, and I wouldn't be able to, like, kick something. So I gotta give him the medium legs as well. Well, if I want a scene where it's both, like, you know, young, stupid Chris and young, stupid Lloyd together, I only have one pair of medium legs to work with. I could probably just buy another pair, but that requires shipping and money and financial responsibility and uh, all that. 
So I've been very tempted to just get some nail polish remover and wipe off the print on the other pair of black legs. But then I got a Harry Potter who he doesn't have like the detail on those legs. So yeah. it's, just, it's just not yeah. worth it. I think you could I think yeah. you could maybe find some on Bricklink for a pretty good price. I would I mean pretty good yeah, pretty cheap price. I yeah. think I think you could do it. I mean I should probably just buy a bunch because I mean I'm gonna be busy this weekend anyway with like a mock showcasing. So I won't be returning to this film for a couple days. Oh okay. but maybe I should just do that now as sometime within the next couple days, buy a bunch of a bricklink and when they arrive, I'll probably be at that scene where I need short leg to throw a tent short yeah, short Lloyd, I can't speak, to throw a temper tantrum. Yeah. And then for the new for the new pieces that are coming out, I don't think any of them have the short legs, unfortunately. I don't think. But they've got some I'm trying to pull up a picture here, but They've got some good accessory pieces. Like, they've got the Butterbeer glass pieces. And I think those would be really good for, like... Wow, yeah. those. Like, the, the Beer Stein mug uh, Butterbeer glasses. <gasps> those would be really good for, That's like... amazing. For, like, bar scenes. And then they have the Marauder's Map. And then they have... God, what else do they have? And then they have, like, little martini glass. And I was like, if you were doing, a like, a... Uh, bar mock or something like that those would be perfect that's and that's why I want to pick up those like the accessories mainly for Ace Brickman how much Ace is Brickman. it for an entire like a the entire thing like I don't know 70 80 yeah something like that 160 I think it's closer to about 110 or 120 for an entire box of minifigures yeah if you want to get the complete collection you're probably going to have to pay more because the people who offer that they go through all the minifigures and they charge a bit of a premium on them because you know you're getting one of each. I think you can versus actually, getting three of each in a box. I think you can buy them through Lego. Like you can buy a whole box through Lego, but the thing is, each one of those boxes they send directly to their suppliers, Walmart, uh, Target, Lego Store, etc. They all have about five, uh, three to five copies of each minifigure in each box. Mm. And depending on which minifigure, you either have three possible bags of them or five possible bags of them. They, they stopped doing like the special one ofs, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're no longer doing that. The last time they Thank did that God. was with uh, the. Who was Johnny Depp's character in uh, Fantastic Beasts? Uh, Grindelwald. Grindelwald. There Grindelwald. we go. Yeah, Grindelwald, I think, I is the it. last time that. Oh, hold on to that. That minifigure is rare. Yeah, that's the and last you know time they did an exclusive have? one. Mr. Gold. Yeah, Mr. Gold, don't you? Uh, no, I would have sold that, but. um, <laughs> I have. I have um I have what do you call it? The uh the police minifigure. Oh my gosh. I I, I need that in my life right now. Though I haven't opened it yet. You killing me here, man. You killing me. Huh. See right there, that's the intimidation tactic. You you know you have my attention now. <laughs> <laughs> but I will endure and not offer you all the money for it. And I will observe, and I don't have anything else to say for on that. On a better deal. <laughs> oh my gosh. You will observe this deal. That is to die for. Oh, we've, we've come full circle. full circle. Good job, Marcus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Proud of you. Wow. Chris, you There's should no end- better way to end this podcast. So you should end it just, please, end it. You can't get any better than that. Yeah, we can't top it. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Frame 100 Podcast. 
If you have any thoughts on any of the topics we discussed today, please leave a comment or tag us on Twitter with hashtag Frame100 or hashtag Frame100Podcast. We'd also like to thank Lots of Toast for the awesome theme music. Please go check out his channel and support his work. If you want to hear more from us, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until then, stay tuned for our next episode, and keep brick filming.